This is Jawanika Ellison, better known as Jay, the owner and founder of Essence of Beauty. We're no located at 91 Kelly Boulevard, Millbrook, Alabama. Um, you can check us out at, on Facebook at ELB19 or Instagram at Essence of Beauty 19. We also have online sales at EssenceofBeautyLLC.com. And you are listening to Rebuke. My name is Crystal Young, and I am the owner of JoJo's Beauty Supply in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we're located at 312 East Nine Mile Road. Um, we are a reseller of quality hair products and bath and body products. Um, you also can shop with us online at jojosbeautysupply.com. You are now listening to Rebuke. My name is Patrick Noel, and I'm the owner of For You Hair. Uh, we're a wholesale distribution company, and you can reach us at www.foryhair.com. And you are listening to Rebuke. What's up, everyone? This is your boy, Marcus, and you're now listening to Rebuke Podcast. This is the 32nd episode, and we have a good topic to discuss today. Once again, I want to thank everyone for supporting my podcast and sharing it with your friends and family um, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also support my podcast financially by becoming a monthly donor. The prices ranges from $0.99 cents per month to $9.99 per month. Or you can send whatever your heart desires to Cash App, dollar sign R-E-B-U-K-E-E-06. That is dollar sign R-E-B-U-K-E-E-06. This helps the podcast move, uh, move to the direction of donating back to, the, back to the black community and one day issuing out scholarships to men and women. That's one of 10 uh, HBCU uh, college or university. I always wanted always wonder why the black hair industry was so dominated by Asians and one day I went to go buy some hair products and I got really upset because I went into the store and of course there are majority of uh, black consumers in the store but the the exchange between the uh, the store owners and the customers were rubbing me the wrong way. They were just being just rude for some, uh, uh, to this customer. And one day I went on a date with a woman that worked at a beauty supply store. Um, the date went okay, but I really didn't like the fact that she worked there for 10 plus years and did not decide to start her own damn business. She'd rather be a worker than been an owner. So that didn't register to me good at all. And I was like, I don't, I don't y'all might say I'm petty or whatever, but it just, it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Needless to say, I don't talk to her no more. Um, according, let me go, go get you some facts and then we get into this lesson. 
not lesson, but this, this topic. According to the reports from 2017, uh, we uh, buy black. Black shoppers spend a whopping close to a half a million dollars on hair care every year. That's nine times more than their white counterparts. Yet they own less than 1% of the market share. Despite the inherent reliance on black consumers as a means of profit, the dynamics of the beauty supply retailer are skewed on each side of the cash out counter. Black customers have been reported being followed, profiled, even attacked by store employees. It's, it's not uncommon to see signage limiting how many members of, of a group can come into a store at a time. Um, over the past few years, I've been seeing on social media that black people have been starting their own beauty supply stores and it's been a beautiful thing and I love it. So the title of this show is called The Beauty Takeover. Now, I want to thank Patrick Jay um, I got it right. Don't don't get don't don't get don't 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 do me like that. And my um the beautiful baby mother, Crystal, who I knew from UNA. She's not really my baby mom, but I'm just joking with her. Crystal, how you doing? <laughs> y'all can unmute yourselves. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Since um I thank thank you for coming on the show today. And so let's get started. Um, first question I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with Jay. Um, black, the black beauty supply business is 70% Korean. What led you to go this route in owning, owning your own black supply store? Um, for me as a child, I always kind of wanted to own a beauty supply store. Um, I just never kind of took the initiative. Um, I'm always kind of like, I guess, the insurgent of the group. I always like to do stuff that people say you couldn't do. And so, as you said, there's very few Black-owned beauty supply stores owned. Um, at the time when I kind of decided to start doing it, um, I had just graduated MP school, um, kind of fed up with my job and wanted to do something else different. And um, it just kind of went from there. Um, just the fact of you being your own boss, having something that caters to people that look like you, um, just inspired interest in me and I just kind of went from there and it's been a blessing it's been a ride but I've enjoyed it and if I had to do all over again I would redo it all over again okay great how long you been in the business we'll have two years May 18th all right Crystal how the same question what made you want to go into a to a business field that is that is predominantly predominantly dominated by Koreans? Um, I would say that that is the specific reason why I wanted to open a beauty supply store is because I wanted to change the narrative and I wanted to change the actual image of what you see when you walk into a beauty supply store. Um, for the most part, the beauty industry is a billion dollar industry. And the fact that our faces are not present as owners and leaders in the industry when we, as Black women, put a lot of money into it, it bothered me. So to me, I went on a mission of just basically wanting to create options. You know, not to say, um, I wanna open this beauty supply store and I only want you to shop with me. You know, as a business owner, I understand the hardship of owning a business. So my goal is not to 
stop consumers from shopping somewhere else, but I really want to just give them an option. So you have the option, just watching the videos, just like anyone else online, seeing my people being followed in stores, being accused of stealing um, for no reason, having law enforcement being called on them um, based off an accusation bothered me. Um, So the thing is, is that really up until I opened my store, I really didn't have an option but to go to the Korean stores because they've created a product um, for black women that I and a lot of others have become accustomed to using. And now there are stores on the place that I can go. So I basically opened up JoJo's Beauty Supply to create that option where um, you don't have to go there if you don't want to. So it's kind of, it's it wasn't a dream, but it's an agenda. Gotcha, gotcha. Last but not least, um, I, I'm not going to make fun of you because the girls are already uh, <laughs> ready to beat my ass over you, Patrick. Um, why did you go into this industry uh, predominantly uh, predominantly dominated by Koreans? And before you ask that qu- answer that question, where are you from? Because you got an accent to me. I have an accent. A lot of people say I have an accent, but I was literally born here. Who's here? <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Brooklyn, but I've lived in oh, Miami. Okay. okay, okay. So, and my family's Haitian, so maybe there's a... No, no bingo. All right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to play me. All right. Uh, but but my story kind of, it's, it's it's pretty much a good segue to your story with the um, the date that you had where, you know, she worked at a store for 10 years. Um, I got into the business through my family. So my dad started the business um, working in New York um, and, you know, he didn't want to work there all his life. So his in his mindset, he was like, oh, if this guy could do it, I can do it as well. So from New York, he moved down to Miami where he started his first uh, retail business. And, you know, being that he's my dad, I was immediately involved in the business from the get-go. So that's originally how I got into the business. Um, as I grew up, I discovered that wholesaling was, you know, my primary focus. And it's pretty much crazy because... In the wholesale realm, you know, everyone is, you know, I would say Korean. So I didn't see any black owned distributors, you know, operating on the scale that they did. And Jenny's is a prime example. So when I saw Jenny's and I first went to Jenny's, I was like, wow, this is, you know, monumental. This is huge. And, you know, I had the same mentality that my dad had, you know, if they can do it, um, I can do it as well. So that's pretty much what was the driving force in me um, entering the business and also with the intention of trying to put us in a position where it's like, okay, this isn't impossible. So that's pretty much my story in terms of how I got started in this business. Oh, all right. Great, great. Uh, so we're going to start with you, Patrick, since the, the, the lady started off first. Um why is it so hard for blacks to own a high higher percentage of the market share of something that they spend half a billion dollars in? Is it knowledge, racism, brainwashing that, you know, we're not supposed to be in there. We're supposed to be consumers. Is it all the above? Why is it that we spend half a billion dollars on hair products, but only have only a measly 1% of the market share? Okay, so um, so in my situation, I've helped start up 
you know, numerous uh, black owned businesses. And pretty much the number one thing that I've seen across the board, it's mainly focused on knowledge. And the fact that a lot of times people, they don't really grasp uh, the startup cost. You know, some people, they feel as though they can open a store with $1,000, $2,000, $3,000. And that's that's really not going to cut it, especially when you want to compete with, um, you know, your Korean counterparts or your Middle Eastern counterparts. You go into their stores and, you know, you walk in and inventory stacked from the ceiling to the ground. So, you know, you can't really compete when you're when you're starting off with such a small amount. Okay, what's, what's a good amount, the brother? Um, realistically speaking, you know, I've had this conversation many times. Um, 10 grand is pretty much, I would say, a starting point in order to get you situated properly. Um, reason being is I use the Walmart analogy all the time. You know, you go into Walmart, you want to spend $10, but you leave spending $100 and you wonder what happened. That's the mentality that you want to have when you open your store. So you, when someone walks in, they're not asking you, oh, do you have such and such or do you have this product? They're asking, how much is this? How much is that? How much is that? So, you know, you're maximizing the dollar of everyone that walks into your store. So, um, you know, that's really what I try to emphasize. And I do understand that, you know, not everyone has the financial capacity to um, start off with 10 grand. But I say that, you know, if you want to get into this business and really be in it for long term, you know, create that legacy for your family, generational wealth. You know, you have to be willing to put, you know, 120 percent and do it the right way. So I feel as though, um, you know, people miss they underestimate uh, the starting cost. And, you know, the starting cost is really what's going to set you up for success. Um, you know, with a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, you can only go so far with it. So I would say knowledge is um, one thing. Um and uh yeah okay i got you i got you patrick uh crystal why is it hard for black folks to get a higher percentage in the beauty supply uh and my answer is going to be basically about the same as patrick the beauty supply industry is very expensive um you have to come with it because we're starting in an industry where as our Korean counterparts have been in the industry for a decade or more, you know, they've all, they're at their, the height um, of their success. Now we're coming in and we're learning the business and we haven't yet reached that capacity. You know, even with Patrick saying 10,000, um, just to be able to open, um, I would say that you should have at least a good $50,000 if you're talking about owning a beauty supply store, especially if you want to be competitive because you can drop $10,000 on just hair alone and that leaves out hair products, that leaves out makeup. You know, if you walk into um, your local Korean beauty supply store, you're starting to see shoes, you're starting to see clothes, you will see jewelry, um, it's the works, you know, so the consumer, yeah, everything, any, everything, <laughs> everything your heart desires. So if you, and you have to be prepared because this is retail and we're at a disadvantage because I myself, I couldn't possibly say, I don't know anybody in my family that owns an actual retail store. So we're coming in and 
we don't have that what's the word I'm trying to say that that knowledge right up front we basically have to learn everything on our own from scratch um I was lucky to be in contact with um with Jay and Patrick I picked up a lot of gems from them that assisted me on my journey along with um the beauty supply group that we are in all in um now it's sort of like a community so basically when we come in we have no knowledge um we have no references whatsoever and we don't have the funds as a new business owner you're not going to get we think okay we can go to the sba but those funds are not there you know literally the sba told me you know you have to be established at least two years before we can even consider um doing lending with you so if you're going to come into this business, you just better be prepared because it's retail. Because even after you spend the $50,000, you got to keep in mind that your $50,000 is sitting out there on the shelf until somebody buy it, right? So you also have to build a customer base. So it's easy to say, okay, why are you, why are you not an owner? This is a tough business and it's very expensive. So if you somebody that did your research, you may not want to go into this in this business, you just have to be prepared. Thank you, Crystal J. Um, you got anything different besides knowledge um, and I think like, being broke? Broke. Broke. Um, like the, like both Patrick and Crystal said, I think the biggest part is the funding piece. People don't take the time to research to see exactly how much it will take, and they think they can just throw a little out there and it works. Um, but another piece that I kind of see is drive and motivation. Um, some people like the hype. They like to get rich quick schemes. So they mm. think, oh, if I get open, I won't be good. Getting open is not the hard part. Staying open is the hard part. And so everybody thinks, oh, since I got a store, people are going to support. I'm here. They're going to support. A lot of people get down because family don't support. Family going to be the last one to support you. They're not going to support you till you blow up and you be. So if you're expecting family, don't expect them. But that's a lot of thing I see with people. They be like, they didn't realize it was going to be this much work. And so they don't possess the drive that they need to keep going because it's work. It's hard work. Um, and then a lot of people think they're going to open the beauty supply store and quit their jobs. You can't do that, especially after that first year, you're funding from your pockets, from your job for your store. Um, so like I said, I think the biggest part is the drive, the funding is a big thing because some people think they can start out with a little money. Patrick was doing good when he said 10000 I, I don't know about the 10000 <laughs> um, Because you got to think about it. People look at it. For some reason, when they see a Black-owned beauty supply, they expect more from us than they would expect from anybody else. They expect us to wait on them hand and foot just because you're Black-owned. And they don't, I mean, we're just like any other place. This is a business that you come to, please treat it as such. That's just like a lot of people come to my store my employees will tell them something. They say, hey, I want to talk to the owner. You're not going to go into a Korean place saying you want to talk to the owner because you don't agree with the price or something, but that's stuff that they pull just because we're Black-owned. Um, but like they said in a nutshell, it's mostly the knowledge, the funding, and my biggest thing I tell people, if you don't have the drive, don't get into it. Mm. Passion is number one thing in order for you to for your business to go even with my podcast it's been some hard days some days I just want these Negroes ain't listening I'm quit but the passion 
keeps me going. Same thing. I hear the same thing in y'all voices. That's great. Um, y'all don't motivate them. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. All the time. Oh, Even if you don't uh, say it out loud, but all the time. Are uh, we in church, Jay? We in church now? No, we're not in church. <laughs> okay. That's why I was thinking with Pastor because he he motivates us. When we see this big old warehouse, that's motivation. Somebody that looked like me got that. That's motivation. All right, Patrick, you the man, baby. All right. I'm going to this third question. It's going out to my fellow UNA buddy. Uh, I read an article where a, bl- a black hair supply owner, um, I believe it's in California. I don't know exactly where it was. Closed its doors because they were blocked from blocked from suppliers and distributors. What challenges have you or someone you know in the industry faced uh, being a black hair supply owner? So as far as like the companies um, starting off um, as a black woman, I use a lot of the hair companies and the hair products um, in my hair. So I'm kind of familiar with the actual hair companies. Well, what happens is that you contact these companies to set up wholesale accounts and you're being denied because basically they really don't want us as black owners to enter this industry. And because they are dominating it, you know, they're kind of restricting what we can have in our stores to allow us to be competitive by denying accounts. So I opened my store on January 9th last year. So tomorrow I will hit my one year. And I did not have, yeah, I didn't have not one hair account. Every hair account that I applied for and submitted applications for, did not, did not, did not. The only reason why I was able to have hair in my actual store is because I ordered through Patrick. So, woohoo, big ups to Patrick. So basically him sacrificing and creating that space has allowed people like me to be able to um, to get hair from my store. Now, throughout the year, you know, I have been consistent with with um, consistently applying and, and reaching out to the companies. I do have a few hair accounts now. Some of the hair accounts we got doing, um, not just me, but I think Jay too, um, it was a, doing the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Um, a lot of companies were showing support. And, you know, it's going to be these companies that are out there to show the fake support. And that's kind of what happened with a few of the actual hair companies where we were being denied. A few of them um, were making Black Lives Matters posts. And it kind of upset me and a few others because here you are um, attempting to push us out of this industry. And now you want to try to capitalize off the death of Black people. And we weren't going for it. So a lot of these companies allowed us to have accounts now because we basically put them on blast. You know, we went up the social media pages and we kind of um, pulled them, called them to the carpet. You couldn't possibly say that you support Black Lives after the way that you treat us in these stores and the fact that you are mistreating Black-owned stores. So I, I gained a few accounts just from that. Now all of a sudden we can have an account when we putting it out there. But that's kind of how they block you out of the industry. In order for us to be competitive, we have to have hair. 
it's just no option. And because they dominate that industry, the only way we can get it right now is through them. So, and I'm gonna tell you, if you don't have a hair account, you you probably can still have a beauty supply store, you will. But because Sally's is what, a national chain and they don't really sell hair. So you definitely can be successful as a beauty supply owner without hair. But if you wanna be competitive, um, it's a lot of money to be made with the hair. So you definitely wanna have those hair accounts. Mm. Jay, what challenges have you faced um, or do you know anyone in the industry that has faced challenges uh, in the industry due to them being black? Yes, me, myself, and I. Um, there's one huge account um, that I fought for for over a year and a half. I just got that account maybe two months ago. And it's, it just kind of hit home because when I first started working with them, they gave me three different minimums. My first one was 10000 then it went to 15000 then it went to 30000 then it went back down to 5000 I'm like, something's not right. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, I fought for that account almost a year and a half, and I did get it. Um, I have a friend who actually purchased um, her first beauty supply from a Korean lady that was going out of business. She had this same account that I'm speaking of. Uh, but once the people in the community found out that she had bought it from a Korean lady, they started fussing about it. And they um, went to the company about it, and they canceled her account. To this Dang. day, to this day, she still doesn't have an account, and she has several stores, and she still doesn't have that account. Um, like Crystal was saying, when everything started happening, we started putting them on blast, and they contacted her because she's kind of like a public figure now. So they contacted her and told her that they were going to give her an account, but she still don't have the account to this day. So I mean, it, it's real, and even like if they don't deny us. They give us the account just to say they gave it to it, but then they set the minimum so high that you can't reach it. Um, so it's it's real. Um, eventually, I guess you can wear them down after a year and a half, but it gets tiresome. But that's another thing that's part of that driving motivation. Some people try two times and be like, I'm not begging them people no more. And then they just let it go. But like Crystal said, it's one of the biggest hair suppliers and we were losing sales like daily, like five or six people were coming in daily asking for that hair. Some of them you can convert over and say, hey, this hair is pretty much the same and people will convert, but some people are stuck on what they want and they leave and go somewhere else. Mm, mm, mm. Boy, the knowledge I got from y'all two so so far is great. I would ask Patrick this question, but the next question is his. And it seems- No, I want to hear his response though. Because <laughs> he, had, he had to get accounts through them too in order to provide it to us. Oh, well- it's, it's the Jay show and Jay's taking over my podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, Patrick, please answer. Please answer. What challenges have you or someone you know in the industry face because of being black supply owners? Because that was number question number four is about. It's about you. It's because you're in a unique position and Crystal and Jay basically is uh, basically, basically what I'm heard, you're the um, male version of Harriet Tubman of the hair industry. Um, so, Patrick, you have a unique position within the black hair industry. How did you achieve this, and what challenges do you have? Do you or have you faced being a black man in the industry? You can unmute yourself, sir. Okay. Um. So, you know, when I speak to a lot of uh, beauty supply owners, um, 
I hear a lot of complaints uh, similar to the question you're asking. Um, you know, a lot of people, they call their sales people and, uh, you know, they're rude. They say something's out of stock when in actuality it's in stock. And, you know, they give them the runarounds, the back and forth. And I did find out that a lot of times um, prices are different. So, you know, when I was giving my prices and, you know, I had an account, she's like, what? That's your price? And I'm paying more buying direct. So, you know, I've seen those challenges uh, for the beauty supply owners that I speak to on the daily. Um, in regards to my unique positioning, um, you know, I'm a wholesaler, I'm a distributor. So when I originally entered the market and wanted to start supplying um, the U.S., um, you know, I found that, you know, the industry itself, it was it was so unbalanced in terms of the competitive nature of especially when, you know, black people are getting accounts where they're getting overcharged. Um, shipping is crazy. And, you know, I saw it as a way to kind of even the playing field because, you know, everyone who's entering this business, I want them to be competitive. I want them to be profitable in the long run. So when I established my main account is Sensational and Utre. Um, the account was established, I think, over 10 years ago. And getting that account um, was very difficult because we had to prove to our we have to we had to prove to the company that we could do the numbers. One and two, we had to maintain, you know, a lot of companies, they set uh, monthly minimums that you have to meet. So every month you have to spend X, Y, Z dollars. So essentially that period was more or less like a testing period for us. And we had to show the company again that, you know, we could do the volume, we could do the numbers and we could do it on a continual basis. Once we proved that, you know, then, you know, um, the relationship started getting better and better because we started establishing that relationship and we started building that trust. Fast forward to now, um, you know, when I deal with these companies, a lot of them have more or less the green light, especially with my account in terms of new products. Um, so whenever anything new hits the market, I'm the first to get it. And that puts me in a better position because, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, like Chris or Jay, if they call the company, they'll say, oh, they're out of stock. But, you know, they could call me. I have it. So that's what I said. That's what I mean when I say I'm trying to even out the playing field. So when your competitor has something and you have the same account, but you don't have the product, you know, I'm here to pretty much say, hey, I have it. And now you can sell it as well and make money off it. So that's pretty much, um, you know, my position in the market, um, especially with this industry, because it's, it's it's crazy. It's <laughs> and like uh, it's pretty much um, I agree 120 percent that this business is extremely, extremely difficult. Um, so I try to pretty much, again, level the playing field so that everyone is playing fairly, um, you know, being able to be competitive and profitable. Man. Patrick, you sound like the, you sound like Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, William <laughs> Steele, all combined in one. It's a beautiful thing. Y'all have this guy in y'all back pocket, ladies. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Only thing misses is I have a dream speech. That's it. <laughs> but it's really crazy because you know any everyone I talk to, you know, I, I don't know if the perception of dealing with other black owners it's like secretive or you know they're always like oh i don't know if i should ask this but i don't know if i should ask this but it's like you know <laughs> so you know i thought so 
information is so readily available and you know i'm here to provide it you know a lot of people ask me oh patrick if i buy from you what's buying from you and getting my own account or you know questions like that so you know again i'm fairly transparent and you know easy to talk to so you know i guess that's why everyone gravitates and you know they like working with me cool 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 uh, Jay, this question's for you. Um, to this day, there, there are 5,000, they're, they're saying there's about 5,000 Black-owned stores, beauty supply stores in the U.S. Korean, they say in the article, Korean kids do not want the stores that their parents uh the created and helped them get them through college or anything else are black are black people actively trying to buy these stores or and what can we do to buy these stores so we can do a successful takeover um not sure if black people are actually trying to take over them but i know of three people personally who have purchased korean stores um so when the opportunity kind of presents itself. I think we are jumping on it, um, but we are definitely growing in numbers. That's a conversation that we kind of have daily in our little community um, about the stores growing. And every day we have a new person popping up saying, hey, I'm opening up, I'm opening up. Um, but I think that this is a great time for everybody to capitalize on it. Cause as you said, the Korean kids, they're not wanting to do beauty supply anymore. They're going to college and going off to be doctors and lawyers and different things like that. And they're going away from the um, Korean culture and sticking with the beauty supply stores. Um, so I think this is a great time for all of us to capitalize and kind of go from there. Um, but when the opportunity presents itself, we definitely are purchasing those stores. Crystal, well, when's your next Korean store you going to buy? <laughs> Uh, I may open up another JoJo's, not um, <laughs> a Korean store. Um, I can see why. Um, I know I mentioned, I keep mentioning how hard it is because I want that to kind of sink in. But a lot of, I mean, when you open these stores, this your life, man. Like, you are in it. Like, I myself, I have a full-time job. Um, I work a lot of overtime um, also on top of the store. Um, trying to hire like quality employees. Is Hold on, wait, 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 wait. You do you saying you have another job besides the store? Oh yeah, I have a full time job, and, <laughs> and um, I also work overtime. Like tonight, I'm off, but I'm going in after this to work overtime to be able to make sure I'm able to purchase some stuff through Patrick <laughs> next week. You know, so I have to make sure. <laughs> that I stay competitive. <laughs> um, that I stay competitive. So it's work, work, work. You know, every dime and every dollar that goes into this store, it, it comes from the store and anything extra comes from myself. Um, so I can really understand why the next generation in, in the Korean families um, don't want to really go into the beauty supply business. You are in here every day. Um, I hardly ever would known a Korean beauty supply store to be closed for anything. They're always open. They're literally in there from dawn to dusk. It's a lot of work. Um, and if you want to stay competitive, you really have to be in your store. You have to stay focused. So it kind of takes away from any type of um, life that you want to have. You really don't have a life. You really don't. Um, 
So that's the reason why you don't answer my phone calls. I'm just playing. Go ahead. Seriously? I'm just playing. Don't play it. Just play it. Be the reason if anybody out there listening why I don't answer your phone call. This is a lot. This is this is a lot. I'm like, if you don't have anything to do with with JoJo's, I, I'll call you back because you know this is serious. Like it kind of it takes a lot out of you. Uh, that's mm. the only way I can I can say it. Any other time that I have is is in this store is is researching, um, like Patrick mentioned, knowledge. The beauty industry changes by the second. You know what's in this week is not going to be here next week. It's always some new trend. Um, black women are very creative when it comes to hair. So whatever new hair trend or style that's out, that is consistently changing. And you have to make sure that your store and your products change with it. So it's like, it's very time consuming. So I can understand why they're like, nah, I don't want to give my life to the beauty supply industry right now. And piggybacking on what Jay said, you have to have a passion for this industry to be able to stay in it. You have to have some type of goal or some type of agenda to be able to to keep pushing forward. Without it, you is possibly doomed. <laughs> Jay, you have a question. Go ahead, proceed. That's um, one of the key differences I've noticed with the Korean-owned stores. They're in their stores 24 hours a day. Okay. But in the beginning, black owners are there as well because we want to make sure that it's running the way it's supposed to, make sure things are the way that we like it. But eventually, we try to phase ourselves out because there's other stuff backward that we have to do to keep the store going. So we have to do the handbooks, the ordering products, different things like that. So most of us, we try to keep employees in the store so that we can keep the store running from the background. But we still work in the stores as well versus the Koreans. They're there all day, every day. And I think the distributors in them, they they think that way as well because like they just ship stuff out, COD, and don't let you know when it's coming. And so the stuff gets there and there's nobody there to pay. So I have to tell my distributors that, look, I'm not at my store all the time. So if you're sending something, let me know so I can have the money there with the employees. Um, but it's that's the two differences I know. And that's probably another reason why the kids are not wanting to do it because like Chris says, it's a lot of work. Hell, I can go be a, they, they probably think I can go be a doctor and work five, 10 hours a day and make double this in one day. Why go sit in this boring store all day? Um, so I think that's kind of the difference with the Korean ran stores and the black owned beauty supply stores as well. Um, and then some people don't like to buy the Korean stores because they just too, I'm not gonna cuss, they just too junky. And that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to get away from from my store because my store is kind of like boutique style. So um, it's not your general store. And it's actually in my name. It's Essence of Beauty Beauty Supply Boutique. But that was my goal to not be junky and to spread stuff out so that when people come in, I mean, they actually able to see what we have and look without bumping into boxes and stuff all over the floor. Okay. We got shade on the show. We got shade. No, shade is truth. Okay, truth in shade. Um, <laughs> um, Patrick, you got anything? You got something quick to add to that? Or, or, um, are you looking to buy Korean stores in your position? Or are you looking to become, I mean, I don't know, buy another distributor uh, warehouse? I see a, you got a nice warehouse there. Are you looking to buy another warehouse? Or what's going on? Yeah, I mean, for myself, it's always, you know, um, growing bigger and bigger. Um, you know, I use Gen I use Genies all the time as the model because, you know, anytime you go into these Facebook groups, 
everyone's like, oh, I need to get, you know, products. And, you know, the first thing everyone says for products is Jenny's. So, you know, right now my ultimate goal is, you know, whenever someone goes into that group, it's like, oh, I need hair. You know, I want to be known as synonymous with hair for you hair. So, you know, I use Jenny's as an example um, just to see how large that corporation has become. Um, you know, it pretty much sets the bar high. And that's pretty much how I see myself and the company growing. Um, will I buy another distributor? Um, probably not. But, um, you know, I'm working more so on the internal structure of what I have going on right now and making it as, you know, efficient and as um, optimized as possible. Got you, brother. Got you. So stay right there. You got you got the next question, man. What is the reaction when black people find out that you own you're the owner of that store? Is it all <laughs> no, love or they want to hit you with the hey, can you hook a brother up type mentality? You, you know, it's funny because, you know, just, you know, from, you know, you guys looking through the camera and seeing, you know, the facility and everything like that, you see how big it is. But, you know, when I get into these groups and I say, oh, I'm a wholesaler, you know, they think I'm operating out of my car. You know, I have a few boxes of hair and, you know, they don't really see, oh, this guy's really pushing product, you know? So, yes. I <laughs> think he's from man from Martin. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i guess it's the the shyness in me and you know I'm, I'm not one to like be like oh you know look at this look at this you know so you know i'm trying to get more out there um just to show people hey you know this is available and you have access to it um but yeah i get the occasional that's your price you know but um the testament that i have is Everyone who says that, that's my price. I know that my prices are very competitive and enough to be profitable because they reorder and they reorder and they reorder. So I know my pricing is extremely competitive, especially when nine times out of 10, my pricing is either the same as buying direct or cheaper. All right. All right. Crystal, Crystal, what is the reaction you get when when I come <laughs> in your store and then, you know, I see, oh, damn, this all, this is your store? Is, is it do you get love or these brothers are trying to get a discount crystal <laughs> look <it's, laughs> this is an excellent question and i'm so glad that you asked it and i'm gonna say the experience of it's the children the most let me really the kids children love my store if anything that have given me, it, it like melts my heart. It's because their image is to see them Koreans by So when they come to this store, it's like they know, it, it's just like this hidden known, it's this feeling. Mm -hmm. they, I can tell immediately, it's hard to explain it, but kids love my store. And just yesterday, um, it was a pretty slow day, because you know you have those. And, um, a girl came in and she was just shopping you know I, I always greet every customer just as normal you know and she started shopping and she was just getting stuff and she was just so in tune you know just so focused that I didn't want to interrupt you know I did say hey let me know if you need anything you know and she was like okay and she just continued to shop you know as I was checking her out she said this is the first time I've ever been in a black owned beauty supply store mm -hmm. and I 
almost cried. And it's times like that where I have to hold back, you know, and you know, my response, I'm like, well, welcome, you know, welcome to JoJo's because, you know, customer service is important to me. And on those bad days or those difficult days, those type of comments, that type of feedback just gives me the um, motivation that I need to continue to fight, to stay in this industry. Like that shocked me. And you know what, to tell you the truth, um, I, I probably would say that my store is the second black owned beauty supply store that I ever been in myself. So <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I never even thought about it like that, but just to hear those words really inspired me. So like for the rest of the day, yesterday and today, I've been going hard, okay? <laughs> it, it really is it really is inspiring not only to my customers, but to myself. I want the children to, to I want this to be the children's normal, to see us behind those counters. That's very important to me. I think I answered that question. <laughs> It was all good, baby. Jay, come on, man. Dude. Yes. Uh, so, what was it? Love, or we 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 asking for a discount? No, they're not asking for discounts, and I actually don't mind discounts because I'm cheap myself. So, I offer discounts for a lot. I offer military discounts. I give my fireman discount. Um, my police officers and my medical personnel because I'm medical as well. So I don't mind discounts um, with that. But no, I haven't really gotten that. Um, the thing I have gotten though is with the discounts and it might have, we might have just spoiled them, but I had an original system where once we verified your discount, we can put it in. Every time you come in with your number, it pops up. But we switched systems over and that system no longer does that. So now we've had to start having people to show their IDs and different things for their discounts, and they got attitudes about that. I'm like, other places don't even give you the discounts. We give the discount, we're just asking you to show proof, and you got an attitude. So that's one thing I've had with that, as far as like when they found out that I'm black on, that love has been real and good. But the one thing that I do get that kind of irks me, when they come in the beauty supply store, they'll ask, y'all sell wigs here? or y'all sell this here? I'm like, it's a beauty supply store, what do you mean? Well, do you sell dark and love, or do you sell shampoo? It's a beauty supply store. So that's the only thing that, that's that's kind of do you offer discount for me when people ask me that. And it's not like they don't ask for particular brands, but it's basic stuff that a basic beauty supply store would have, but they assume since we're black, we don't have. You sell just for me. Do you know? Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I remember that. Some commercials when I was a little kid. Uh, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> all right. You, y'all mentioned y'all mentioned this group y'all in. So what's the name of this group? Since you, I got you on the mic, Jay. What's the name of this group that y'all in? And what is the overall purpose in the beauty supply let, world? I'm gonna let Crystal answer that. Oh, uh, Crystal, yeah, yeah, the one that don't answer my phone calls. Go ahead. Well, uh, I'm kind of protective of this group. I really don't tell anybody the name of this this group. Okay, well, never mind. I don't even know well, how they, they find it. Well, the FBI over here. Never it's mind. a secret society, but anyway. I'm just kidding. It's it's a beauty supplies um, store group on um, on Facebook, and we ended up. I know I found the group through um, two black women that opened a store. They opened New Me New Me Beauty Supply, 
and um, they started um, sharing their journey on YouTube and that's how I was able to find the group. So I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of us was able to find it. But to me, I don't really talk about that group because it's kind of hush-hush because it's kind of like um, a little community where we all share um, ideas and, and feel comfortable asking questions, but I never put that group out there. Um, if it's somebody that comes to me and if, if now if you <laughs> now if you want to open a beautiful um, I don't know if, if anybody you know if Patrick didn't want to tell the name of the group I, I no, no I'm done no I'm done I'm, I'm never really but if somebody is interested in being in that group if they're listening to this podcast and you want to open your own store or you you have a store open reach out to me um, I answer messages on all of my business pages. JoJo Beauty Supply is my handle. So inbox me and I'll send you a link to the group. Mm. <laughs> but just don't answer it on the streets. You might get shot. This is a secret society. They got, they, they got secret handshakes, knocks, and everything. All of that. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Last but not least, last question before I get shot for about get find out the secrets of their group. Um, what advice do you have for people that are looking to start or buy an existing supply store? What steps oh, as as a people we need to do to take over the industry? Um, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna make Patrick answer last since he's the man. Um, so let me see here. Jay. Yes, sir. Um, <clears throat> my biggest thing would say was definitely research. Um, research, research, research. That's what you're going to be doing the entire time. You're going to be doing it from the beginning. You're going to be doing it till you die. Research, research is going to be your biggest friend. Um, also, like I said, you're going to need that motivation and that drive. And don't let nobody tell you you're not going to need no funds because you, you will. <laughs> Got you. Got you. Now, Crystal, what advice you have for the people that are looking to start or buy an existing beauty supply store? Save, save your money, research the industry, um, connect with other owners um, because there's a lot of scammers out there too um, that'll say that they'll they're out here to help you um, to start beauty supply stores. Um, and some of those companies are Black-owned companies um, that say, hey, look, we'll help you um, open your beauty supply store and, and basically walk you through everything and you pay us. So it's a lot of scamming out there, too. So be careful with that. The best thing to do is Google Black-owned beauty supply store. That'll get you connected to some of the owners. Um, and from there, you will be able to create some type of community to be able to assist you. A lot of new owners um, that reach out to me, I always connect them to Patrick. Um, because not only, I know we keep referring to Patrick, but not only is he a Black-owned wholesaler, the customer service is outstanding. Um, the outlets that he has, we're able to order online with the Korean vendors. We're not able to order online. They don't give you a full total or a full price. I literally order with um, For You Hair and um, the next day I have it. Like he's very efficient, very organized. He gives advice. Um, because I work overnight, sometimes I'll submit my order and by all means, I don't know why Patrick is up. 
<laughs> because I'm just expecting him to get it the next day when he wakes up. But sometimes he answers, but I don't, I'm not expecting him to, but my advice is to connect, um, build that community, um, be prepared to be in it by yourself. Um, I know Jay mentioned earlier about um, your family is not going to support you. Be prepared for that. Um, your biggest supporter was, will not be related to you, that it will not be your friends. Um, it will be people that won't even know you. So you just have to be prepared. You got to have that passion. You got to have that knowledge. And you got to have that money. And you got to have that community. Um, and that's that's it. <laughs> Last but not least, I have a dream. <laughs> Patrick yelling from Brooklyn, New York. Give us your spill and on how and your advice on someone that's trying to get into the industry or is trying to buy an existing store. What steps do you need to take, sir? Okay, so um, you know, for existing stores, and if you were to purchase it, I would highly recommend to do your research because um, nine times out of ten, when you're purchasing a store that's already in existence. You're mainly purchasing it just because of the location. And if it's been there for years, um, you know, the clientele is already established. So you're purchasing the goodwill. Um, when it comes to the inventory, you have to be very careful because a lot of times, you know, if they're going out of business, they'll try to knock you upside your head with like in a without with the outrageous price. You know, they'll, they might try to overcharge you for inventory that's relatively old. So you want to be on the lookout for that. And you have to do the, um, you know, your cost benefit analysis because the money that you're spending to purchase a used or an old store established versus opening brand new, fresh with new inventory, new products, it might be better to just go that route than, you know, purchasing old inventory and getting stuck with, you know, that headache. So unless it's for a very, very um, good price, um, I would you know, recommend you explore your options or, you know, reach out to someone who's, you know, in the industry and experienced that could give you insight onto, you know, certain prices for products and stuff like that to know whether or not it's a good deal. And um, for startup business owners, um, you know, funding, we spoke about that um, in depth. And, you know, a lot of people, they might be like, oh, I don't have the funds necessary, but if I had the opportunity to open a store, I know it would be successful because it's needed in my community and all I need is the opportunity. I just need the products, but I don't have the money. So I get those questions, you know, more times um, than I can really count. Um, and usually I refer to them uh, through credit card hacking. So that's one solution that I, you know, I'm a strong believer of um, utilizing credit cards to purchase inventory. So that way you're not, you know, in the minus with regards to your cash. Um, you get a credit card that offers you points. So with the points, you redeem them for statement credits, you know, cash back. So in our case, um, you know, we put pretty much everything on credit cards. So it's gone to the point where our utilities are paid off. Um, our internet is paid off. Um, trash is paid off just because of the amount of points that you accumulate. And a lot of times when you get these new credit cards, they give you bonus points when you spend a certain amount of money within a certain period of time. So if you're opening new, that's going to be easily, easily reached just because of the volume that you're purchasing at. So you might get 100,000 points 
that you can redeem, you know, to go towards, um, you know, expenses, business expenses. And that way, when you open, you're not cash flow negative. So you can open, you can spend money towards marketing, you can allocate money towards employees. And that way, you know, you're already set up from the get go for success. And that's, you know, that's the main concern that I get is, Patrick, where do I get the money from? You know, I want to do this, but I don't have the resources. So um, that's pretty much one of the main uh, tidbits that I give out, which is credit card hacking, just to get started up, especially if your credit is really good. Man, appreciate you, all of you all for dropping gems and you're giving out your testimonies. This was a fabulous show. I had fun today. I really <laughs> did. I really did. Um, people, this is the end of the show. Um, uh, I thank Jay, Crystal, and Patrick for coming on the show and, and, and giving the insight. Um, if y'all looking to start your own your, your own store, please do. But just just accept this wisdom and knowledge that you have learned on this pod, this episode. And that's why I start this podcast to, to bring blacks together, to share their knowledge in a particular industry or a subject matter for, uh, to help uh, others in the future. Um, once again, thank you all for coming on the show. Uh, great, great information. And before I go, I always leave it with this tidbit that knowledge is power economic freedom and salvation but if you put the two together we can build a great nation this is marcus with rebuke and i'll talk to you soon peace